Would to uh, Genesis chapter 37. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 37. Last week we introduced our theme of the year, which is resolved, and we are going to be studying the life of Joseph over this next year. And Joseph, if you're if you're not familiar with with the scriptures, Joseph was a very interesting individual. Uh, he went through some very, very difficult times in his life, and um, uh, God used him in, in a great way. Um, and this morning, we're going to look a little deeper into the life of Joseph, and primarily his brothers. Um, but last week, we started off to describing... Uh, two primary verses in the book of Genesis that kind of set the tone for the entire story of Joseph. In, in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, the, the Bible says, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people. So we, again, we talked about this last week, but this verse describes God's purpose for Joseph's life. Joseph, you know, again, he went through some very difficult times in his life, some very incredibly difficult situations. We're going to be talking about that over the next several months. But um, as we unfold this life of Joseph, he, th- these are Joseph's own words describing what I believe was the purpose for Joseph's life, was to save much people. And as we know now that the, that phrase, much people, would, would soon become the nation of Israel. It wasn't the nation of Israel when this was written, but it would become that. And God's purpose for Joseph's life was to save what would become the nation of Israel. Now, last week, I gave you our theme verse, which is Genesis chapter 41 and verse 8. Uh, It says, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? So basically, the the verse that I showed you in uh, Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, it was the purpose of Joseph's life. I believe this verse describes how Joseph accomplished what he did. And quite simply put, he was able to accomplish the purpose of his life because he walked with God. He he resolved to walk with God. This morning, as we look more at Joseph's brothers this morning, if you're familiar with this portion of Scripture, then you know that Joseph's brothers hated him. And we're going to read this, so you know everybody will know it here in a minute. But if you know, so, so jo- Joseph's brothers hated him. So the, before we actually get into the message this morning, I want to I talk about what I believe is the virus of hate. 
Hatred plays an important role in the life of Joseph. But the hatred was not on his part, it was on his, their, his brother's part. Hatred. Never before in the history of mankind, I, I believe, do we understand how viruses work. Right? Unless you work in the medical field, viruses were just something that you knew were out there, but you really never paid attention until you got sick, right? But now, because of COVID, thanks to COVID, everybody understands what COVID, uh, what viruses do. <clears throat> they sneak in unseen and uninvited, Right? And oftentimes, the damage that a virus can do is done before we even get sick, right? And that's kind of how hate is in a person's life. Oftentimes, hate can destroy a person from the inside out. Ann Landers wrote this. I, I, I read this. I, I wanted to share this with you. But Ann Landers, in one of her articles many years ago, wrote this. Hate is like acid. It can damage the vessel in which it is stored as well as destroy the object on which it is poured. Hate is a powerful, powerful thing. And oftentimes we will dismiss things in our lives and say, well, I don't hate an individual. I just don't like them. Okay? We need to be careful with that. We need to be very careful with that. I want to give you... Uh, uh, well, well, before I do that, let me, let me uh, um, define what, what hate is. Hate is ho- open hostility and strife with someone else. Open hostility or strife with someone. So in other words, if you have strife or you have conflict with someone, then that falls in the category of hate. I want to give you two examples. One, the first one is uh, reveals the heart of men. In Proverbs chapter 29, in verse 10, it says, "The, The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seeketh his soul. The second example I want to give you of the word hate is a an example of the heart of God, a righteous hate. In Proverbs also, but in chapter 6, verses 16 and 19, it says, These six things that the Lord hate, seven are an abomination unto him, a poor, uh, excuse me, a proud look, a lying tongue, a heart that shed innocent blood, a, a heart that deceiveth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Out of curiosity, I, <clears throat> I came across an article in an, an official government website. This is, this is the United States government website i i had no idea we had such things um but this is this came right off the the federal government website um 
there are there are basically seven steps to hate. Why we had to spend money to figure this out, I don't know, but we did. But I want to give you these seven steps because as 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 I read through these seven steps, I recognized every single one of them. And we will recognize them as we as we see the lives of Joseph's brothers, we will recognize all seven of these in, in their lives. The first step to hate, according to the federal government, government, is hate gathers together. Someone who has hate in their heart always will bring somebody else along with them. They always want to infect someone else. Right? The second step. Hate finds a common target. Number three. Hate criticizes the target. So it starts with simple words of criticism. But hate always progresses. Step number four, hate taunts the target. Words become uh, more aggressive. Number five, hate attacks the target without weapons. The attacks become more brutal and hurtful. The idiot who thought up the phrase, words may never hurt, uh, I just... Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because words can hurt. And somebody who hates can say some of the most mean and hateful things. Step number six. The target, or excuse me, hate attacks the target with weapons. We call that rage. It crosses the line from from just being hateful in your speech to actually wanting to hurt the individual. And then step number seven, hate destroys the target. As I said a minute ago, these seven steps... we will see play out in the lives of Joseph's brothers. It's a sad event. It's a sad time in the life of Joseph. But it all plays back. As as we go through this, this study of the life of Joseph, never forget Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. Never forget that. title of my message this, this morning is The Progression of Hatred. The Progression of Hatred. And <clears throat> there are primarily two reasons why Joseph's brothers hated him so much. And I, 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 I want to make this disclaimer here um, right out of the gate. It is never, we never have a justifiable reason to hate anybody. There's, there's never a justification for it. 
period. But there are two primary reasons why Joseph's brothers hated him so much. Uh, Let's look at Genesis chapter 37 and verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that his father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. So the first reason they hated him was because of this coat of many colors. Now, I did a lot of research on this just because of curiosity more than anything. But nobody truly knows what that coat looked like. Okay, just, you know, in case you grew up in Sunday school and you saw pictures or whatever, nobody really knows. But it's really not important what it looked like. What's important (coughs) is what did it mean? What, was, what, is the, what is the significance behind this coat? And really that is what was the source of anger. Number one, I want to point out that Joseph did not, or, or uh, uh, um, uh, Jacob or Israel did not go to the store and buy it. He made it. Okay? So this was a very deliberate act that he did. This coat of many colors was given by eastern chieftains to the son that would be taking over for him when he died. So it was, it was, a, it was a sign to everyone who saw Joseph wear that coat. It was a sign, it was a, it was, it was a symbol of the fact that Joseph was passing down his authority to Joseph. Now, why is that so significant? If you're not familiar with the story, let me kind of fill in some blanks here. Joseph was number 10 child of 12, of 12 sons. Well, let me rephrase that. He was number 12, uh, He was number 10 son of 12 sons. So it was very significant that, that, that uh, uh, Jacob bypassed the, the ten oldest brothers to pass his legacy on to child number 11. That is a huge insult. His oldest brother, his name was Reuben. Reuben was child, uh, son number one. The custom was, in that day, in that, in that region, that the oldest child would be the one, or excuse me, the oldest son would be the one that would carry on the family legacy. And by Joseph, or oh, Jacob, <laughs> too many J's here, uh, by Jacob giving Joseph this coat of many colors, it, ca- it, was, it, was, it, it was significant. It was significant in three ways. I want to very quickly, I want to give you these three things. Number one, it was the priesthood. It it signified that Joseph would, 
become the priest of the family. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, that's, again, for the culture, that was a huge thing because it it was the patriarch of the family that set the spiritual tone for the entire family. And we know... If you're, if you're familiar with the story at all, Reuben was not a very spiritual man. So spiritually speaking, it would have been a disaster had Jacob allowed Reuben to take over the priesthood of the family. The second one is the ancestry. And this is, this is where, again, this is a cultural thing. It is, it's, a, it's a huge um, uh, uh, slap in the face, if you would, to Reuben and the older brothers that the the ancestry then would then pass through Joseph and not Reuben. Again, another cultural major problem. The third and probably the most critical reason why is because the the chosen son always received a double portion of the inheritance. So that meant that Reuben's inheritance was cut in half and it would go to Joseph. So you got these three things working against Joseph. Now, none of them are under his control. It was his father's responsibility. His father did it. Now, we all know, well, not we all know. If you're familiar with the story, <clears throat> then, you, then you know by the end of the story that Jacob made the right choice. But at the time, it was causing great division amongst the family. This is something that we also see played out in the life of David. King David, if you're familiar with that story, King David did not pick his oldest son to assume the, the, the kingship, if you would. Uh, Absalom was supposed to, but Absalom died. If you're, not, if you're not familiar with the story, you can see me later. I'll, I'll fill you in on the details. But when it comes time for David to die, he does not pick the next oldest son. He picks a guy named Solomon. And, and Solomon became king. And Solomon was down, if you would, down the food chain a ways. So David followed the example here of Jacob in picking not just the next oldest son, but the son that he thought would do the best job. So anyway, <clears throat> the second reason that this the brothers hated him we'll read in verse verses five and following and joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet more and they and he said unto them uh here i pray you this dream which i have dreamed for behold we were binding sheaves in the field and lo my sheave uh, uh, arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood around about and made obeisance uh, to my sheave. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, 
or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams uh, and for his words. Verse 9, and he dreamed yet another dream. And behold, uh, it was uh, his brethren said, excuse me, and said, behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars uh, made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And, to, uh, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, Why is this dream, uh, excuse me, what is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and, and thy brethren indeed come to bow down before uh, ourselves to thee, to the earth? And get verse 11 here because this is key. And his brethren envied him. Get that word envy. And his brethren envied him, but his his father observed the sayings. His, His father never forgot what was said. Now, the second reason they had hatred toward his brother is is because of the dreams that he dreamed. Now, one of the things that I've done in my life, I've read the story countless times, and I've wondered, why did Joseph even open his mouth to tell them the dreams? In fact, his brother, or his dad, even rebuked him at one point and said, what are you saying? Why, why are you saying this? And the only conclusion I have been able to come up with is because back then, <clears throat> dreams meant something when you know when we have dreams they do, they're just dreams you know we don't they don't necessarily mean anything but oftentimes in the old testament god would speak to people through their dreams so that dreams meant something now let me give you a couple examples in genesis chapter 15 in verse 1 it says after these words or excuse me after these things the word of the lord came came unto abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, uh, I am thy shield and, they, and thy exceeding great reward. First Kings chapter 3 and verse 9. And Gibeon, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. So God, in this time period, God would use dreams to speak to people. And I believe that Joseph felt it was his responsibility to communicate these dreams because he believed them to be from God. Even though it caused more problems within the family. The first dream of the sheaves is the idea of earthly power and wealth and control. The sheaves, the, the fact that they, they, they grew from the ground. It is a picture that Joseph would be have some sort of earthly power and, and reign, if you would. But the second dream, the sun and the moon and the stars, was symbolic to something more than just earthly wealth and power. It goes in. It goes beyond that, and it and it talks about. It gives the idea of power and influence that could change the course of nations. 
And as we, as we will see here in a few minutes, that that is exactly what takes place. Because of Joseph's willingness to re, be resolved to walk with God and to do God's will, the nation of Israel would be saved and also the nation of Egypt and all the surrounding nations because Egypt would then feed the entire world, the, the, the entire known world at the time. Uh, Egypt would be responsible for all of that. Thus, Joseph would be responsible for it all. Now, I want to take a minute and I want to fast forward a little bit here because this is this is really where, I, where I'm wanting to get in the message. Our choices that we make will set events in motion. Am I right? The choices that Joseph's brothers make set in motion a lot of things. Jacob, Joseph's father, when he gave him the coat of many colors, set in motion a lot of uh, Ill, Ill feelings by his brethren. And, and the choices that we make set in, in motion oftentimes uh, events that we no longer have control over. And I want to fast forward here and look at the result of hatred. The result of hatred. Where does hatred take a person? Genesis chapter 42. So turn, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 42. <clears throat> By the time Joseph is here in chapter 42, again, I'm, I'm skipping a lot of the story here. So if you're, if you're not familiar with the, with the, the story, let me encourage you to go back and read it. But um, for time's sake, there's just no way I could cover the entire story. But I want to I kind of give it to you in a nutshell. Joseph goes through from where, where we just read in Genesis chapter 37, between there and Genesis 42, Joseph goes through multiple trials, horrible events in his life. And then God, God brings him out of it, and then boom, he's back down into the end of the pit. And anyway, he goes, he cycles through several very difficult situations. In Genesis 42, God had taken him from a shepherd boy to the number two man in Egypt. And let, let me put it to you this way: the number two man in the world. Because at this time, Egypt was the superpower of the world. So in Genesis chapter 42, there is nobody that has more power and authority in the world other than Pharaoh. That's, that's, that's what has happened from Genesis 37 to Genesis 42. People are coming from all over the place to buy food from Egypt because they were the only ones that has food. There, there, there was, uh, they were uh, well into a seven-year famine 
in Genesis chapter 42. The people were starving and they were coming from all over the place to buy food from Joseph. Because Joseph, the Pharaoh, put Joseph in charge of all the food in Egypt. So hopefully that kind of fills in some of the blanks. But let's start reading in Genesis chapter 42 in verse 1. It says, Now when Jacob saw that there was no corn in Egypt. Now let me stop right here. In Genesis chapter 42 and verse 1, Jacob, Joseph's father, still did not know that Jacob was still alive. He thought that his son Joseph was dead. Okay? This this helps with the story. So, uh, when Jacob saw that there was no corn uh, uh, that, uh, that there was corn in Egypt, excuse me, Um, Jacob said to his sons, Why do ye look uh, upon others? Um, And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy uh, for us uh, from thence, that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten, ten brothers went down to buy corn in Egypt. And Benjamin, Joseph's uh, brother, uh, Jacob sent not with his brethren, and he said, Lest prevent your mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, and the famine was in the, the land of Canaan, and Joseph was the governor over the land, and he uh, it was that sold to all the, the land. And Joseph's brethren came, bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Now, what did we just read about the first dream Joseph had? This very thing was going to happen. Now, I I mentioned a minute ago that Jacob didn't know that Joseph was still alive. Well, his brothers didn't know either. They thought he he was dead as well. And Joseph, Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they, they knew not him. And Joseph remembered the dream which he had dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies. And see the nakedness of the, of the land, ye are come. And they said unto him, Nay, my lord, but to buy food um, are, are thy servants come. We are all one man's son, and why, excuse me, and are true men. Now, was that true? Are they, were they true men? No, they, they, were, they were liars. Uh, thy servants are, are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but ye, uh, to, but to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they, they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, uh, the youngest uh, is this day with our father, and one is not. And Joseph said unto them, that is, uh, that is it that I speak unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby 
you shall be proved. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall uh, not go forth uh, hence, except your youngest brother come thither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother, and ye shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you. Or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. And he put all put, <clears throat> and he put them all in uh, together into the ward three days. And Joseph said unto them, the third day, this do, and live, for I, f- for I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your house, but bring your youngest brother unto me. So shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. What happens next is an incredible thing. It is the result of hatred. Earlier I gave you the seven steps that the federal government says are the steps of hate, and I believe them to be true. And, and we, we can see them in the lives of these, seven, or these ten brothers. Uh, hate ga- uh, gathers together. Hate uh, finds a common target. Hate criticizes the target. Hate taunts the target. Uh, hate attacks the target without weapons. Hate attack, uh, attacks the target with weapons. And ultimately, hate destroys the target. But I want to add my own number eight. Hate always brings regret. Hate always brings regret. Let's read verse 21. Okay, before we read verse 21, let's, let's, let's talk this thing through. Okay, so what has happened? This famine is several years in, in the making, and, and they have run out of food. And Jacob says to his ten sons, he says, Okay, I, I want you to go down to Egypt. I want you to buy food, bring it back, to get us through until the famine is over. So his ten brothers pack up a caravan and they, they go down to Egypt to buy this food. And they get down there and Joseph is the one selling them the food, their brother that they had sold into slavery. But they don't know it's Joseph. And Joseph puts them to the test and he, and he calls them liars and, he, and our spies and he, and he accuses them and, and he does all these things to kind of rattle them a little bit. And he throws them in prison for three days. And then he makes a statement. He says, okay, nine of you can go back, but one of you is going to stay here because ultimately what did, what did Joseph want? Joseph wanted to see his younger brother. So all of this takes place. Joseph does not reveal himself. They, they have no idea who they're talking to. But what does hate do? It destroys. The result of hate. Hate brings regret. Look at verse 21. 
And they said one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brother. Who? Joseph. Joseph says nothing about himself, but yet regret pierces their hearts. And they say one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brethren. It is that we saw the anguish of his soul when we, excuse me, when he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. Hatred will consume your life. It will steal your joy. It will destroy you from the inside out. Look at verse 22. And Reuben, the oldest, answered them, saying, Spake I not unto unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child? And ye would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. Hatred will consume you. Remember the quote I read from Ann Landers. Uh, she said this. They said, hate is, a, is like an acid. It can destroy, excuse me, it can, it can damage the vessel in which it is stored and it will destroy the object in which it was poured. When we allow hatred into our lives, it will destroy us from the inside out. Let me say this. We're all human and we all have feelings. And we've all been hurt. Have we not? Don't let hatred destroy you. Don't let it destroy you because it will. The events of Genesis chapter 37 had been put into motion And for years, these brothers anguished over what they had done. Can you imagine how many times this scenario had been played over and over in their minds over these many years that had taken place? For years, the anguish and the the regret that played over and over and over and over in their minds. And then when they finally, they get to Genesis chapter 42, the very first thing that they can say to each other is, God's paying us back for what we did. Immediately, that's the first thing that comes in their mind. See, that's what hate does. Hate destroys from within. I, at the beginning, I likened hate to uh, the, the COVID virus. <laughs> That's exactly what hate is. It'll sneak in uninvited, and it'll destroy you from the inside out. 
the pain that they caused their father. Because at this point, Joseph or Jacob still didn't know Joseph was alive. Joseph, for years, had mourned the loss of his son at the hands of his ten brothers. All because of hate. Hate is a dark hole that we don't want to go down. But let me close with this. I want to close with a comparison here. As I was, as I was studying this and going through here, I, I saw two comparisons I wanted to share with you because I just, I, just, I, I just thought it was, to me, at least to me, I hope you get something out of it, but to me I thought, wow, that, that is just so cool. God is so good to us. So point number four, I want to compare the Lord and Joseph for just a minute. I saw these two things and I thought, wow, what a blessing. Last week I made, I made the statement that Joseph is a good example for us to live by. Okay, As we studied the life of Joseph, Joseph was resolved. Joseph was a good guy. He would be a good guy for us to 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 be an example for us. But last week I said this, Jesus Christ is the best example. Okay? Model Jesus Christ, not Joseph. Because Joseph was just a man. But I, I as as I was studying, I saw these comparisons and I thought, wow, this is really cool. At least again, this it was just really cool to me and I, I wanted to share this with you. Number one, the coat that Jacob gave his son Joseph was, a, was symbolic of his passing authority to, to, to Joseph. Now, our Lord was never given a coat of many colors that I, that I know of. But he was given a crown of thorns to wear. And as I, as I sat there and I, I thought about it, I thought, wow, how precious that my Lord would wear a crown of thorns for me. Jesus did have a coat. I don't know if you remembered or not. But when he was crucified, it says that they, that they tore his coat in pieces and they, and they literally gambled over who got the pieces of the coat. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, it says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his garment and cast lots. Our Lord was given the ultimate authority by God himself. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. No, I'm with you always. Amen. Jesus' last commandment on earth All power is given unto me. He acknowledges the fact that God has transferred all power to him. What an incredible thought. The second comparison that I that I saw and I, I was just in it just touched my heart was in Joseph's dreams. 
Joseph's dreams identified the fact that his brethren would be bowing down to him. And as I would, again, as I was studying, I, 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 I came, I, my, my mind went to Philippians chapter 2, and, and, and it says that every knee shall bow. Not just his brethren, but every knee shall bow. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven, of things of earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Joseph is a good person. His example is incredible. But don't copy Joseph, copy Jesus Christ. I want to I challenge you with a thought. Let's be resolved to forgive and not hate. This, this year... I, I don't know what's going on in everybody's heart right now. I, 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 it's impossible for me to know. But in a group this size, I can, I can almost guarantee there's at least one or two people in here who, who is struggling with this idea t- this morning. And let, let, let me say this. Let's resolve to forgive. Forgiveness is something that we have to do. The other person, what they do is up to them. But let's, let's, let's resolve to forgive. I want to read two verses in closing. We'll be done. Colossians, well, two passages, excuse me. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses uh, 12 and 13. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against thee, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Forgive. It's really that simple. Don't hold on to hate. Ephesians chapter 4 Verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even for God, for, for even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Let's resolve to make 2022 a year of forgiveness. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. Lord, it is too easy for us to be bitter. It's too easy for us to not forgive. And Lord, I ask and I plead with you this morning that you would would speak to hearts this morning. The result of hatred is devastation. And Lord, help us. Help us, dear God, 
to resolve this year to forgive. With every head bowed,